Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Spurs. And now, let's join our hosts. Hello and welcome to a very unique edition of the Spurs News Podcast. I am Sam, and this week I'm joined by... Nobody, it's just me. Um, so basically, you get to listen to me for a little while, ramble on to you, talk a few things Tottenham. Um, in essence, you're going to hear one guy slowly descend into madness while he talks to himself. It's a little bit weird. Uh, but basically, we're going to do a mini pod this week. Uh, we normally do a podcast on a Thursday, as everybody who listens knows, and thank you very much for those who do listen. Uh, myself and Matt, uh, we also have super sub step in Stefan, uh, but basically, uh, both guys, uh, last minute things, so it's just me and you, awkward, but anyway, so there were a few topics we're going to discuss this week, obviously me and Matt are going to dive into a, a few more things in a bit more detail, uh, but we're going to save that for next week. So this week is going to be, like I say, a, a kind of mini pod, uh, j- just me talking at you for a little while. Uh, one of the first things I sort of wanted to do or, or wanted to, to talk about was Danny Rose. Um, it, it's kind of a hot topic. It was a hot topic on our Facebook page. I, I kind of, uh, I think I'll probably be reflective. I'll probably say it was an error on my part because I think it, I didn't need to do it, but Basically, a uh, press story today, or overnight, so last night into this morning, uh, Friday 24th of January, Toby Alderweireld uh, did an interview, London Evening Standard, and in the interview he basically hinted that perhaps if there is a story going around that there's unrest, that's coming from someone here who's unhappy, you know, an individual. It's certainly not the case for the whole squad. Um, it kind of ties in greatly with uh, the scuttlebutt, the, the kind of stories that have gone around for a while about Danny. Um, so hearing that in, in combination with this kind of suspicion already, I made the decision that when I posted the story to our Facebook page, I used a picture of Toby stood next to Danny Rose. Now, it, again, kind of a misjudgment on my part, I think, because obviously, quite rightly, a lot of people took that as... I was posting it, and in essence, saying outrightly in posting it, it's Danny. Danny's causing the trouble, it's all his fault, which is not actually what I intended to do. My intention was to post the story, and then in the comments, let people know what I thought. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's not how it's worked out. A lot of people are quite angry, and I, and I can take that on board. I do get that. The image kind of you know zeroed in on it. Um, I, I put it together about uh, 10 to midnight last night uh, once I saw the story and sort of put it together for the page, scheduled the post, probably should have thought on it a little bit more, probably should have changed it. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically what I have is I have stock photos, if you like, for each season with our players. So if Harry Kane gives an interview, I've got three or four images of Harry Kane that I can use. Um, and, a, and a few, you know, for all the players. And it just so happened on Toby's one, the first image on, on my phone, if you like, my device, was Toby and Danny. And I kind of went, yeah, and <laughs> and clicked it and, and posted it. Now, it doesn't change my opinion. Um, Danny gave an interview to the Sun newspaper, as we all know, some time ago now. 
heavily critical of the club. Uh, Danny was quoted in that interview picture, giving the interview, and was fined, heavily reprimanded for it. And he said he learned his lesson from it. Um, we can all take that different ways. I took that as, you know, Danny had been struggling with mental health issues. He has done amazing work since then in talking about that and bringing that to the forefront of many discussions. Complete side issue for me, you know, but that, that is something I commend him for. But, you know, you could take that I've learned my lesson as not something I'd do again. It was ill-advised to talk badly about the club, etc., where I play. Or you could take I've learned my lesson. If I'm going to do this to a journalist, I'm not going to let them put a picture of me next to it and say I said it. Uh, the exact same journalist who did the Danny Rhodes interview uh, did an exclusive piece this week, uh, about two, three days ago, talking about a senior player. Uh, senior player at the club, senior players. Um, well, it's the exact same journalist. You know, you can draw the line. One and one makes. <laughs> um, and that was kind of where I was. There was that. There's been a lot of talk for months now about his general demeanour and training, his general attitude around the club. Um, completely cut himself off from the squad, doesn't socialise, doesn't get involved in anything. Um which again, you know, you could come back to the mental health side of things and you could look at that as a real concern. Um, speaking purely now uh, as a football fan, a fan of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, I, I desperately want Danny to move on. Uh, clearly he's unhappy at the club and for his own sake he should go somewhere play and feel happy again. But for our sake, it appears to be when a, when a player who's been at the club that long as well, he must be to the younger players, etc., a senior figure in the squad experienced England international it must be quite difficult to have that and have that kind of uh, the voice of being quite down um, so it'd be interesting now of course one of the things about all these rumours we hear this year and the press articles etc is we do actually have a fly on the wall Amazon documentary being made which means that quite possibly this year the reason why so many little ins and outs stories are leaking is because there's a camera crew there all the time with all of these people wired for sound. Um, you only got to have you know one one of the camera crew to be a fan of a different team etc. and think, hmm, that's worth leaking. That's worth telling somebody this happened, um, and that happens. And of course, from our own point of view, there's so much stuff being said about meetings gone on between Ericsson and Mourinho and and players. Ericsson and Daniel Levy, so much stuff obviously about Maurizio Pochettino before he left, uh, some of the players as well. Well, as Jose Mourinho has pointed out several times, the only time they are not recording him is when he goes to the toilet. So literally, this Fly on the Mall documentary series, which is going to come out in the summer, is going to cover everything. So for every press story we see now, and we're kind of going, okay, well, you know, I've put one and one together there. I think it makes two. We are going to get more of an insight in the summer. I'm, I'm both dreading and looking forward to it in equal measure, if that's possible. I'm kind of dreading the idea that we could possibly see people that I hold in high regard not being the people I want them to be. Um, and also I'm looking forward to clearing up some of the... I, I hope misconceptions I have about some of the players, some of the staff and some of the things that's going on because like I said, you, you can draw 
quite easy straight lines sometimes. It doesn't always mean that's true. And, and like I tried to put in the Danny Rose situation on our Facebook page today, this is my opinion. You know, this is an article. This is fact. These are quotes from the article. Here in the comment section, it's my opinion. I am saying this purely and simply, I believe this. Not, if someone had said to me, oh, this has happened, I'd put, I don't know anything about this, but I have been told this. So when it's my opinion, I say, this is just my opinion. If it's from things I've been told, I will say, well, I've been told this, I'm not quite sure how true that is. So it was my opinion, possibly ill-judged on my part, but just purely because of the image. My my opinion stands. Um, I believe it is him speaking to the sun again, and I believe it is him that's caused that problem. The other thing about, as well, when you see the press and you talk about, you know, sources and senior players... A lot of that, I always think when I see that, and not just with us, I think, you know, when you see a story from any of the tabloid for any of the clubs, it's like, oh, senior players at the club say this. It's always interesting to me that the story and the gravity of the story, the kind of weight of the story would be greatly different depending on the players. So if you use Tottenham as the example for it, you know, and the Sun release an article and say, Victor Wanyama and Danny Rose say that training's crap, everything's crap, no one's enjoying it. The vast majority of us would look at that and go, that's two players not really being picked, not involved. Yeah, okay, they're senior players, they're in the first team, etc. Well-paid players. But, yeah, you've got to judge it where it's coming from. Now, the exact same article saying the exact same things, but quoting Harry Kane and Deli Alley, would carry far more bigger impact you know for us as fans we'd be oh no you know this is it this is the end of days um so yeah it's kind of it was something that always sort of occurred to me but yeah so that's the Danny Rose thing that was one of the things I want to clear up on the podcast this week so as I'm here by myself I got to do it uh uninterrupt us so to speak um one of the other things I was going to talk about this week and I shall do it even though I'm here by myself is our transfers and the transfer policy i'm doing air quotes which is crap for a podcast but i think all of you know what i'm doing when i go transfer policy um i've been feeling and i, and I don't know how many other fans please do get in touch because i'm doing this one by myself as well do get in touch afterwards uh you can email me sam at spursnews.co.uk you can message our facebook page uh, find us on facebook spurs news or it's me who runs the twitter account which is at spurs news 1961 uh which was the league and cup double by the way not my year of birth i was born in 83 which still makes me old <laughs> uh but yeah so a uh, transfer policy i don't know about anybody else and do get in touch to let me know I am feeling so disillusioned with transfers and I and I keep getting kind of I don't know annoyed at myself I'm not, I'm not quite sure what the right thing and I can't work out why I'm disillusioned over it I think it's possibly not not so much activity you know because you can talk about oh you know we should have signed players a couple of years ago we should have done this year so that I completely agree we should have there, there's no there's no arguing that. You know, the manager that we had at the time, Mauricio Pochettino, literally said two and a bit years ago, what is going to happen if we don't spend, if we don't change our attitude, if we don't do things. And lo and behold, the guy was right. And lo and behold, he lost his job over it. It's, it's a crazy world we live in. But 
I think all of us know from our own work environments, our own work history, sometimes the person who stood there screaming, this is going to go wrong, and then the big bosses go, ha, huh, that went wrong, that's your fault, you're fired. The big bosses keep churning on, it's us underlings who are, who, who are hung out to dry. Um, Maurizio Pochini seems very pragmatic about it, you know, that's football. But, <clears throat> yeah, that, that does appear to have happened, and it's just the... What what worries me then? So so not coming back to the activity in terms of volume of players and things like that. I'm not talking about um, you know we're looking at a player called um, uh, what's his name William Jose. Currently, we should be looking to sign you know uh, Cavani etc. I'm not not even talking about the quality right now. What I'm talking about is, is strategy because we don't appear to have any, and that concerns me far more than anything else because. We had a manager for five years. Now, when you have a manager for five years, you kind of think that you'd have a built-in strategy for player recruitment. And you have philosophy throughout the club in terms of playing style, etc. And we did. So, throughout the club, he had an influence in how the youth team were doing, which I've talked about loads and I won't go down that road again. Um, but he had influence throughout the club. And then when it came to transfers, it appears that the transfer policy is just bizarre, or, or lack thereof. Now, we can look at that and say a stadium was being built and the overrun meant they literally couldn't spend money, which I don't know about anybody else, but as fans, I'd almost feel better if they said that. I'd almost feel better if Daniel Levy came out and said, look, the stadium's overrun, we're going to have to take a hit on this, squad's going to stay together, we're not going to be signing anybody. And don't get me wrong, I also know why they can't announce stuff like that. Because if you announce stuff like that, then all of a sudden the vultures circle, the agents circle. Oh, well, if you're not signing anybody, you're not showing enough ambition, blah, 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 blah. You have to put a brave face and I understand it. Um, but it just from a fan point of view, it kind of, you know, if you kind of heard that, you could kind of go, man, that's aggravating. But okay, all right, you know, we're going to take this hit. But then we're going to be able to move forward as a club. And and you kind of, yeah, that's kind of how you feel. But where I am right now is, you know, the stadium's built. The training facilities are built. The lodge at the training facilities, Hotspur Way, they are built. Everything's done. The amortization of the loans means that the club is paying off X amount certain times. It's basically self-funding. It's done. It's all built into it. The club isn't taking money out of its day-to-day budget to do that. Um... But yet we're not kind of kicking on. And in the summer, of course, we did the deal to sign La Chelsea. We did the deal to sign Tango and Dembele. Um, and you you kind of got to wonder just how different our season would be if both those guys had been not picked up those injuries when they first arrived. Because obviously La Chelsea now, I think everybody can agree, we're, we're seeing the player that clearly we wanted when we signed him. Uh, the guy's tenacious in winning the ball back. Um and he's he's a very skillful, uh, fantastic vision, the player. I mean, he's always trying to play forward, which I love. Um, and, and he also is someone who likes to receive the ball and then will turn. So will like to move his body to open up the field. And, and the other player, of course, does that is Ndombele, who does that more from a, a Dembele kind of way of just, you know, you're not getting the ball off me. I'm I'm a walking, you know, brick shit out. <laughs> I will turn when I want to turn. But he also has a little bit more skill, a little bit more about him. And again, likes to play forward, likes to bring the ball forward as well. And you kind of wonder just how gutting it is that those two 
couldn't have played a bigger part because probably by now if they hadn't picked up those injuries they'd both be fully integrated in the league both two of the first names on the team sheet and both performing at a high level you know I, I genuinely believe that it does open up the course of the conversation about Undumbele where people are very very critical of him his, his attitude and Jose Mourinho has said something as well which I didn't like I've got to be honest and the thing I'll always come back to and we have discussed it briefly on the podcast before but I will say it again is he's come from the French League to this. Um, with the greatest respect to the French League, it is nowhere near as fast. It is nowhere near as intense. And a player of his level is quite simply able, and you've got to remember as well the position he plays, in that core, you know, that engine room of the pitch, which in the Premier League, you have got to be on it. You know, you, you are going to get kicked constantly. You are going to have people at you. You are going to get no time ever in the Premier League in that position. In France, he probably always had five yards around him just to pick up the ball, do what he wanted. He would, 90% of the games there, be able to coast 50-60% of what he can do. And then we'd see him in the Champions League and in the games against you know Paris Saint-Germain perhaps, he'd be nearer to the absolute best. And you look at him and go, wow, you know, what a player. But the rest of the time he was able to coast. And it's not a laziness thing. I know some people want to throw that accusation out, but it's not. I think all of us do that in any of our jobs, in anything we do. You kind of, you hit a kind of stride, this is what I need to do. No one pushes you to go beyond that. Now, he obviously, he came to England, he picked up that injury, which is really frustrating. And it seems to me that it's like a confidence thing with him. And again, I, I've done that. I, I, you know, nowhere near the level of these guys. But I played rugby to a certain level, and after an injury, you're never quite as sure. You know, uh, I did this thing where I twisted my knee once, and then in a game a couple of weeks later, it was quite muddy, and I was really nervous. You know, I was nervous about planting planting my foot again. You know, <laughs> because if you feel your knee go, um, and and he just has that look about him like a young man. You know, he is still a young man who's moved country, learning the language, he's adapting to a far, far more intense league, and he is in the position, you know, he's in that engine room where it is constant. Um, you know, a lot of players that come from the French leagues, the biggest success stories tend to be the real attacking players, uh, you know, Hazard, uh, the strikers like Drogba, for example, they tend to be the real big success stories. The one in the engine room, if you like, the real thing that I look at as a real example for him would be Nicola Kante. He came across uh, from the lower down in the French League. I don't even think he was in the top flight. In fact, I don't even think he was in their second division. I think Leicester plucked him basically from complete obscurity. Um, and please do correct me if I'm wrong on that. This is purely working from memory. And he came to the Premier League and within, I think, probably about four or five games, everybody was suddenly going, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> you know, because... He was just tenacious, absolutely non-stop, relentless, and just had this engine where he went for the full, you know, first whistle to the last. The guy was in everybody's faces, and that would be the example to me of that a player who can make that transition to the Premier League. And I think Ndombele can do it. He is undoubtedly a fantastic ability, and what I'd love to see is the fans really get behind him. Um, I, I saw uh, you know a couple of former players call him out on Twitter today, you know, for having a bad attitude, not putting in the effort, and that that really disappointed me. You know, you don't need that when the fans already kind of getting on him a bit. 
you don't need that. We, we want to encourage the lad. We want him to hit his potential because anyone who's seen him play live, for example, or anyone who's just seen those little glimpses we've seen so far knows that if we get him to where he could be, we have got a world-class midfielder there. And alongside Lachelso, those two could be the phenomenal midfield and attacking midfield for us for the next five, six years. You know, real quality there. So, yeah, that's my kind of take. But going back to the, the transfer policy, um, those were kind of the last signings for Mauricio Pochettino, um, which was a divergence in our kind of policy of uh, what we'd done before, the sort of transfer committee, everyone having a chat. And it was kind of a Daniel Levy um, trying to make peace with Mauricio. Uh, but, of course, we can all remember in the summer... Lots of comments about don't ask me, you know, don't ask me, I'm not a manager, I don't get involved in transfers, I'm just a head coach, um, which was just pure frustration on his part, that he was just not able to do the business and do the things he felt the club needed. He felt the club needed a complete overhaul, you know, uh, fullbacks, uh, defensive midfielder. But to do that, Daniel Levy explained, well, we're going to need to clear people out. You know, we sold Trippier. We failed to sell Danny Rose when we should have. Um, and, and it's just kind of dealing with that now. Um, and here we are. We are in January. The fact that Victor Wanyama is still on our books just goes to show how poorly organised we're being and how not a good job we're doing, really. Um, you know, Wanyama in the summer had several options ahead of him and kind of greed on our part... Um, or on a certain person's part, led to us not being able to let him go. And, you know, Celtic were willing to take him in the summer for, I think it was six million. Um, and we, we said no, because Club Rouge were willing to pay 12, but the player didn't want to go to Club Rouge. And we got right the way to the deadline day, and the player said, no, I'm not going there, I want to go to Celtic. And lo and behold, Daniel Lee dug his heels in and said no. Which is fine, I get that, you don't want to be dictated to, and yeah, that's fine. But for for the good of the club, the good of the squad, sometimes you need to take a hit, I think. I think this is where Daniel Levy and football diverge, which is his kind of uh, business mind, if you like. And what he's done for the club commercially cannot cannot be looked over, you know, cannot just be glossed over. You've got to look at that and go, yeah, he's achieved phenomenal. We have a club that's not really winning trophies, not really successful. We are now uh, the third most supported team in America. I mean, how did that happen? Clever marketing is how that happened. Um, you know, Sonny's influence on us in the Asia market cannot, cannot be understated. But at the same time, the AIA partnership and the amount of stuff we've done over there and we we sell shirts like galore which enabled us to do the Nike deal and you know bring in extra money and then it's enabled us to extend the Nike deal which is even more money into the club so yeah it just it's just frustrating to me that he doesn't seem to have the capacity or the ability to recognize that I've been chairman of this football club for X amount of years. We're not really ever kicking on. We're kind of getting close, getting close, getting close. And then you see what Liverpool have done, which is, in essence, the same blueprint as Mauricio Pochettino had at Tottenham. 
the dynamic fullbacks, strong central defenders, um, a defensive combined with a box-to-box midfielder, and then a, a you know a pacey attack, you know attack with pace and power. And you look at what Mauricio was trying to do with us. He had the fullbacks, he had the central defenders, he had the midfield. He wanted to sign Sadio Mane. He didn't get him. He got Sissoko. He wanted to sign uh, Wijnaldum in midfield. He didn't get him. It, it, it's kind of... You've just got to look at the, the kind of scenario here where the transfer fees that were paid for those players are not out of this world. You know, they Liverpool didn't pay Southampton $150 million for Mane. I think it was 40 which to be honest was for us I mean you just look at Zaha the, the transfer there we could have signed Zaha for 40 million three four seasons ago and we didn't we said that was too much money we offered 15 for him 15 million for Zaha a player that four years later Palace are still demanding 80 million for because of the level he is for them uh, but for us 40 million for a player who can create goals on his own create assists got pace, classed as homegrown, international level player as well. You just it just your mind boggles why those why those chances weren't taken. Uh, Jack Grealish, twenty five million, could have signed him, offered twelve, n- messed about until the price went up to forty million because Villa got new investment. Any he, he's now got a release clause, I think at forty or forty four million or something like that. Someone to trigger that in the summer, probably Man United, Man City, because again, he's a homegrown player and he's proven himself in the Premier League this year. That could have been with us. He would have come in for Ericsson, would have provided Ericsson with competition, would have been a ready-made replacement for when Ericsson turned around to the club and said, you know what, I want to go and live abroad. With Jack Grealish already in the squad, we could have gone, okay, and probably could Ericsson in his pomp, hundred million quid a couple of summers ago, but again we're where we are with that situation. So, to me, the transfer policy we don't appear to have any clear strategy with who we're signing, building a squad, um, rejuvenating the squad. That's probably the best way. Rejuvenating the squad is like there's no clear plan. There's no clear. You know, look what's going to happen here. Look what's going to happen here. We as the fans all know Mauricio called out for it a couple of years ago. We all know that in the summer, just before he got sacked, he was basically looked like a man who was resigned. Looked like a man who was just completely, I'm so fed up of saying what we need and not being given it. And then when Tangi arrived, uh, Lachelso arrived, and you know, deadline day f- failed to sign Dybala, uh, however the hell that said. He just looked resigned, and the squad, I think, fed off that energy, and, you know, we all know where, where that went. But Jose's in charge now. It's not Jose's squad, which basically means we as the fans know we have to give him windows to make the changes he wants to make. He's brought in one loan signing on an 18-month deal, Gedson Fernandez. Um, none of us have seen enough of him yet to know what he's going to be able to offer. Um, I think the only observation I can make so far is energy, really. He... He's he closing people down fast, uh, which is great to see, um, and does appear to, you know, link the play quite well. So that's my only observation so far. Uh, it's not really a negative or a positive, just that that's all we've been able to see in this kind of cameos, which is, which is fine. You know, he's come in on loan, hardly played. Again, a massive difference between Jose and Mauricio. Jose put him straight in there. Uh, I think it's possibly a burning indictment of Jose 
calling for signings. You know, you're okay, great, you gave me one, puts him straight in. Um, it's clear to everybody with eyes and even to people without, uh, we need a striker. There's no two ways about it. With Harry Kane out for the season, we have to sign a striker. Uh, unfortunately, I think what that basically means is every striker in Europe had £10 million put on their asking price the minute Harry Kane got injured. But what makes it worse is Manchester United have now lost Rashford. It looks like Leicester have lost Vardy. Um, and of course, Chelsea have lost Abrahams. So <laughs> now you've got four Premier League clubs looking to sign a striker this month. And that means that all the clubs in France, Spain, are just holding out because they don't need to do a deal right now they can sit back it is very much a seller's market when it comes to strikers that are available who's going to come in i don't know all all i care about really you know because everyone we're kind of linked with at the moment in the striker department i've not heard of i'll openly admit i don't watch a massive amount of foreign leagues currently Uh, a couple of seasons ago i was very you know football everywhere i was just watching it constantly just living for it but you know work in life you know you have changes so right now some of these player names that are being thrown out there I, I you know a couple of years ago I know Peter Tip was brilliant but now I, I don't know I, I just generally don't have a clue um, and I don't rely on uh, you know football manager or FIFA or any of the games to tell me who's good and who's not and I certainly don't rely on YouTube videos because I've seen some of those compilations put together for players that I've seen live and I'm like nope no no um, but yeah, a strategy. I'd love to see us come with some kind of strategy for recruitment now. Um, it looks like Kyle Walker-Peters is going to leave, um, which is, for me personally, very sad. But that, of course, does open up. We have to sign a right-back. I would be pained to see us go into the rest of this season letting Kyle leave and not signing one um, waiting until the summer because although I could understand that because I think the club really like Max Ahrens and Norwich understandably really don't want to let him go in January I could understand them you know okay Carl's got the opportunity to leave now for X amount of money we'll let him go um, and we you know Tanganga has proven that he could possibly cover right back with Sir Joria being our first choice but we all know we're Tottenham, uh, which basically means you know the January window closes and Aurier and Tanganga go for a go for a nice meal or something. Both get food poisoning and are out for the next three months with salmonella. Or, you know they already had a Chinese and come down with that <laughs> coronavirus. It's just the way it works for Tottenham. Um, so yeah, I I just look at that and I think there there just can't be any way we're we're thinking of letting Carl go. And not replacing him. But the obvious replacement that exists is Nathan Ferguson at West Brom. Because his contract expires in the summer. He's made it clear he's not signing a new one. Uh, A lot of clubs are interested in him. But I think West Brom would have to take a view on... Okay, if we're offered £10 now, we got to take it. Because if he goes... If he goes to a foreign club in the summer, they get nothing. If he goes to an English club, they'll get a tribunal set, which uh, I don't know about you. If you've seen any of these tribunal fees over the years, that they're, they're mind-boggling. They either go too high and you think, what the hell is that? And I'm not talking high like 20, 30 million. I'm talking 10 
or they go low like oh yeah you know he's come through youth academy yeah you've probably spent about a million quid on him so yeah call it two million which obviously clubs like Tottenham etc is like thank you very much so yeah it'd be interesting to see what happens there he's, he's an obvious um an obvious upgrade to Carl Walker Peters now but I'll only say he's an upgrade because of game time uh, the lads had two seasons playing championship football Kyle's had three seasons of five minutes here ten minutes here a game there um, and that's it. Not even playing in our under twenty threes, you know, just just literally training, and that's it. So that's what happens. Stagnate, but that's a whole other topic. But yeah, so there we go. Um, we did put a couple of posts out on the Facebook page, basically looking for any questions or discussion points. Um, uh, we didn't get a massive massive return, so apologies if you did comment on those. Uh, obviously, uh, Matt are not here, and Stefan unable to get in as well. Uh, I am going to leave that this this week, and we'll we'll come back to it next. Uh, but like I said, this was basically just a, a mini show because it's just me. Uh, I hope I didn't descend into too much madness. At no point did I consider doing two different accents and having a conversation with myself. Okay, I did consider that, but I, I stopped myself quite quickly. Uh, but yeah, a big thank you to everybody for listening. Apologies, this is. A kind of shorter show, and it was just me because I appreciate I annoy a lot of people. But yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, hopefully, me and Matt will be back next week, or if not, it'll definitely be me and Stefan. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. Be sure to join over 50,000 other Spurs fans on our Facebook page at Spurs News. Until next time, come on, you Spurs! And remember, to dare is to do.